Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, December 28th, 2014. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator this morning. The share ID for Friday, December 26th, is 7141. That's 7141. This morning, A Vision for You presents Step 11. It's a process. Step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 11's mission is to improve our conscious contact, to inform our mind with knowledge of his will, and to infuse our will with the power to carry that out. The big book warns us about needing to keep in fit spiritual condition. The big book also teaches us about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from our higher power. The whole concept is to develop a vital sixth sense that gives us a direct connection to the power which is greater than we are. We are trying to learn to act intuitively, directly from our hearts with the purest of motives. Here this morning to speak on Step 11 is Rick B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Rick is dedicated to this 12-step spiritual path and to carrying the message of recovery. And we welcome you to the line, Rick B. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Rick. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um... The other day I had was given the opportunity to speak this morning because I guess there was a cancellation and uh, I thought I would talk about prayer and meditation and yes, step 11, but I thought I'd outline my, uh, my story and how prayer has been, how, how, how I was involved in prayer during my process and working the steps and also how how I handle it now. So I'm I'm not going to label this specifically step 11, but you know more on the topic of prayer and meditation. Just to uh, kind of back up, uh, in April of 1989, I was in an alcohol detox and I weighed 280 pounds. So. Uh, I was in pretty rough shape, and I was able to quit drinking, but the weight continued to be a problem for many years to come. I would be yo-yoing between, um, say, 200 and 240 pounds. I never quite got up to that 280 mark again. And when I stumbled upon Overeaters Anonymous, I started learning a little bit about the steps, but uh, didn't want much to do with them. I thought I could just, you know, come to meetings and lose some weight. And I did lose some weight right away and thought I had it down. But the weight crept back on, and uh, the yo-yoing, the only difference was it was it was a slower yo-yo. Um, it was not the, the, the dramatic up and down. 
So at some point, approximately five years ago, I was having coffee with a friend from the meeting. And she said, how's your food? And I said, it's pretty good. And she said, well, pretty good isn't abstinent. So at that point, I was able to put down the sugar and flour products, and my weight dropped to about what it is now, about 185 pounds. And it's been within five pounds of that ever since. And I had, I did make some modifications to my eating, but uh, that's not what I'm here to talk about. So about uh, six months later after that, I had heard a lot about the steps. I decided I'd get a sponsor and I'd work the steps. I never thought they were necessary. I thought they were too hokey, too religious, and uh, what use would I have for them? I, I didn't really believe in God anyway, so they weren't going to do me much good. But I took the plunge, and I was going to a, a meeting that focused on the big book, and after a few months of going to that meeting, I got the courage up to ask somebody to be a sponsor. And uh, he had me read the first, um, I don't know, what is it, 55 pages or whatever. And um, then we got together. He said, are you willing to go to any length? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, get on your knees. So we got on our knees together. It was in a library, a public space. Uh, there weren't people around. It was kind of a private area of the public library. And um, he held my hand. We knelt across from each other, and we said the third step prayer. And even though I had said that prayer many times at meetings, there was a a profound experience there. I don't know whether it was being on my knees, being with another person, uh, whether it was um, my agreement to go forward with the steps, but there was a profound feeling, and I have to describe it as electric. I did not really want to get up off the floor. I, I couldn't believe that I had done that. And that was something I was fearful of, of taking that formal third step. I didn't, you know, in our group, um, well, they, that's pretty much what we hear about is somebody doing a formal third step in a, in a certain way. That was probably my, my first experience with prayer that had a, a, a an impact on me. And I think it's important because that was the beginning. Um, that was early on in the steps. It was when I had made a decision to go forward. And I didn't know it at the time, but I know it now that that was God leading me in that direction. I felt the power of God at that point. At that time, I did not know it. I did not. If I knew it, I didn't admit it. I didn't know what it was, but um, it was pretty, pretty cool. So with the help of my sponsor, I um, went on to step four, did an inventory, and um, did a fifth step with them. And again, at the end of doing the fifth step, they asked us to take an hour with God. Well, when I did, when I finished my fifth step, I had over an hour's ride home, so I really couldn't, um, you know, I couldn't stop and take that hour 
but it was kind of a surreal ride home. And when I did get home, I was so tired, I went to bed, fell asleep. But when I got up the next morning, there was, again, was a profound feeling of, uh, I'll say accomplishment. Um, but again, there was, you know, that feeling of, of the, the presence of some somebody there helping me out. And although it's not really um, a prayer uh, experience, the idea of being instructed to take time with God and the fact that I did have over an hour and a half ride home after having completed this process of giving away my fifth step, it certainly was meditative. And, you know, it, it, it had an impact on me. Steps six and seven, even though they're very prayerful type steps, um, I don't have any strong recollection of anything uh, monumental happening. I, you know, did what my sponsor said and moved on to steps eight and nine. And when I was working step nine, one of the persons I had to make amends to was my mother. And I didn't know how I was going to go about it. Um, we were not the type of people that talked. I mean, we gossiped about the neighbors and the family and talked about the ball games, but we didn't really talk. Well, without getting into details, I was able to make amends to my mother. I did not plan the visit. I did not make an appointment, but the opportunity came up to make amends to her. And as I was driving home, I had this feeling of, wow, maybe that's what they mean about God. And it was at that point when I first started to believe that there was a God. Uh, maybe I was agnostic prior to that um, while working the steps. I guess that would be the best way to describe it. Certainly earlier on in my life, I was an atheist, uh, kind of proud of it, thinking that a lot easier to put God down than it is to try to explore him. But that point in step nine, there was a, I, I admitted that that power I felt was God. And I wanted to know more about him. I wanted to explore it. And, but I didn't have a, I didn't have a definite plan. But I can remember, um, I kind of remember this story, and it was I probably would have to back up a little bit at some point. I don't think I had done my fifth step, but I was having an issue. And somebody said to me, did you pray about it? And I said, no. Well, maybe you should. So I really didn't know how to pray. So I knew there were instructions in the book, so I went to step 11. And I looked at those directions that well, or suggestions what to do as we retire and upon awakening, awakening and all through the day. And I printed them out. And I used them as a way to deal with this um, thing that was bothering me. And it helped. It helped. So that was an experience I had with prayer probably, you know, it was probably during when I was doing my fourth step writing or somewhere around that point. But I certainly was not uh, into step 11. And I guess um, 
the reason I'm mentioning it is another thing happened. I uh, was at a meeting, and somebody had said, don't wait till you get to step 11 to start praying. Start doing it now. Start nurturing that relationship and start getting in the habit. And I really, I, I, the first time I heard it, I thought it was kind of funny, but that also was good advice because there's, there's really no time where prayer is not uh, acceptable. So if anybody tells you you can't pray until you're at step 11, well, that's not what they're talking about. What they're talking about is, you know, don't pretend you've done the rest of the steps and uh, you're doing step 11 because you're praying. Um, what they're saying is, you know, do all the steps and do them in order and get to step 11. But certainly prayer is always appropriate for anybody at any time. So uh, kind of go back to that step nine experience. I uh, started to believe in God. And I was at a retreat, and I went out for coffee in the morning. I came back. There was a handful of uh, fellow OA people out in the parking lot. It was a beautiful late spring day, sitting in the group, and I walked by. One of them motioned me to come sit down. So I sat down. And they were reading a devotional book, and they had their routine, and um, and they began to pray. And that, again, another experience I had never really experienced, a group of people praying together. Um, to be quite honest, it was a little bit scary because I didn't understand it, and I didn't, didn't know what I was getting into, but um, maybe, I don't know, a few months later, one of the people in that group asked me if I wanted to join them, and they said they did the same thing on the telephone, and uh, I said, I, I don't know about that, I don't think it's for me, I don't, I'm not sure about, you know, my relationship with God, and that's a specific type of religion, and I don't know if I'd fit in. And the answer I got was, he doesn't mind. So I started joining that group on the telephone, reading that devotional, and praying. And at first it was a little bit uneasy. But um, those people held my hand, and I learned by listening to them how they prayed, how they asked God for help. And... Again, another step in the process that God led me through. These weren't my designs. I didn't choose these things to happen. Um, this happened to me. And there were other people involved, but certainly God put me in that place. So pretty amazing. So I continued to work with those people, and I continue to this day. And every day uh, I start with a passage and some prayer related to that in a group. And I found it, it's very, very helpful because, um, one, it makes me commit to being there, and two, it teaches me how others pray and it teaches me how to pray. So short time later, I don't know, a couple months, 
whatever. I was searching for more things along that line. Now, this I, I did go searching for this. This um, was a, a thing I was looking for, and I showed up at a recovery meeting at a church, and it was a very denominational recovery. Um, it was not secular. It was not 12-step based. And I didn't like it. And I told the guys, uh, I don't think I'll be back. But I showed up the following week again, and they looked at me in amazement. But I really didn't like it. And one of the guys said, there's a meeting here for men on Wednesday night, and if you want to you wanna come, I'll meet you there. I said, okay, that might be that might be cool. So that week passed, and I didn't go. But I went back to the other meeting, and the guy said to me, did you come Wednesday night? I said, no, I didn't. He said, oh, good, because I rushed down here to meet you because the meeting was, uh, was, was canceled for that week. I didn't want you to be alone. So right then and there, I knew another person was put in my life, and I showed up the following week with that group. And I walked in, and what struck me was it was about 12 guys. It was a men's group. And up until then, I had done so much work in Overeaters Anonymous with predominantly women, and women that were extremely helpful to me. Um, the group on the phone, they're women. But this was men, and men with smiles on their face, men that were reading together, studying together, and praying together. And it was really... Uh, a powerful experience. Um, one of the guys said to me, what did you think? I said, well, it was good. I'll be back. He said, is that a threat or is that a promise? And he really, you know, helped me let my guy down. It was a joke. And I went back to that group the following week, and I've been involved in that group ever since for the past couple of years. And by working with with those guys, I ended up um, showing up a few months later. Seems like everything took me a couple of months, you know. Um, a few months later, went to a church service and got involved. And I've been more and more involved ever since that point. So without, you know, getting into specifics of that, and if somebody wants to call me later, they certainly can, um, I guess what I'm trying, my point is that even though I was not involved in any denomination or any church, the 12 steps led me to get involved and to become a member of a traditional church. And it's kind of backwards from what we read in the big book, you know, where um, many people um, had fallen away from the church or some people were involved in the church but were still drinking and weren't able to, um, you know, weren't able to relate the two. In my case, I had no involvement whatsoever, but it was working those steps that got me involved. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, with mentioning it, um, I don't think we should be shy, uh, page 28. Um, not all of us join religious bodies. 
but most of us favor such memberships. Most of us favor such memberships. So I read that, and I'm, I'm reminded that, you know, where the roots of AA came from. It just so happens that um, it was a little bit different direction for me. So through working with uh, people at the church, working with uh, that group I do on the telephone, I learned a lot about prayer. And I continued to learn. And I looked on page 87, and it's talking about if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us. If we belong to a religious denomination, which requires definite morning devotion, we attend to that. Um, there are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, rabbi, or minister. Be quick to see where religious people are right. <clears throat> Make use of what they have to offer. Well, I do that. I'm making use of what they have to offer. And that is pretty much the basis of my um, spiritual exploration. It's pretty much where I go for answers, where I'm going for learning. And when there's a topic or a group studying or a study at the church that's kind of related to some of the issues I deal with as a 12-step member, I jump in. And I feel so fortunate to have been led through this path with God where he, he knew that I was a skeptic. He knew that I was going to be a tough nut to crack. So he put some things in my path that would allow me to come to believe in a maybe, uh, maybe a different way. I did not go back to the church, even though I was brought up in a in a home that, you know, we were told what to do as far as religion and had to go to church and all that. I never really believed it. But now, um, it's a totally different experience. By working the steps, I was able to, to follow the directions that God gave me and get involved. And it's it's a pretty remarkable experience. One thing I find that's difficult is some of the people at the church are a little bit skeptical about 12 steps because they think that, um, you know, God is some kind of generic God that doesn't have a name, doesn't have a, um, a specific way that he teaches us. And I just explained to him that, you know, everybody has a slightly different concept of God, but there are many, many people in 12-step rooms that are devoted members of a, a denomination or a particular faith. So I, there's kind of a, a little bit of a purpose there for me to spread the message of, of 12 steps in in my uh, my church community because it's it tends not to be very popular and tends to be a little bit misunderstood. So I I try to you know I, I walk gingerly there too, 
and don't don't get too um, too detailed, but I make sure that they know my story. And the story I just told you, I've told them. And there's, there's quite a bit more to the story, and I don't think I'll get into it because it's very specific to my newfound faith and many very specific to, um, you know, the way I, I, I believe in God. But he chose this path for me, and he and I believe that. I don't believe that I had anything to do with it. And that's one thing that my brothers will confide in me, that God is the architect of this plan. All I had to do was open my heart. And we talked so much about willingness, and that's what I, I wanted. I was willing to take those tiny little leaps and those tiny little steps and uh, God really did the rest. And um, so, if anybody is kind of, you know, unsure of how God fits in, God can fit in any way He fits in for you. There's nothing wrong with being a devoted follower of a particular faith. We try not to uh, bring it to the light too much because not everybody looks at God the same way as we do. But there are people. There are people, no matter what denomination, no matter what faith, no matter what belief. belief. Um, Yes, there are agnostics and there are atheists too that have found recovery through the 12 steps. But you will will find people that are like-minded and have a similar faith or the same faith and that will do nothing but strengthen your recovery. So I I just can't implore everybody enough to, you know, follow the convictions of their heart and don't be don't be led by um, a fear of of offending people by letting people know that you're involved with a with a denomination or a faith or or anything in particular. We shouldn't be. Because the two go hand in hand. They don't have to be separated. Um, I'm very fortunate that I did not um, come to the 12-step meetings because I I had a, uh, a disagreement with God or a disagreement with a, a particular church. I had I had no no agreement. I was neutral. And probably that was that was a good thing because I was able to open my eyes. So anyway, I think I'll stop there and um I'll pass. Thank you so much, Rick, for your inspiring message of spiritual growth and transformation. We appreciate your service today. Rick's contact information will be given at the end of the meeting, so stay tuned for that. And we'll now open the floor for questions. If you have a question for Rick, please press star 1 on your telephone and identify yourself, please. I have a question. It's Mary. Hi, Mary. Hi, it's Mary A. Thank you, Rick, for coming on today. I'm sitting in front of my Christmas tree. I was going to have my quiet time, but I said I'm going to put on the meeting and listen 
My question is, since your uh, share was, you know, I'm used to the shares going on for over an hour, so it was a real surprise. You were just a half an hour. Maybe you could give us some concrete ways a particular problem comes up, whether it be with your your food program or a person or whatever, and how you go about um, asking God and seeking how to come to an answer for that. And, you know, they say there's an answer for everything, and there's sometimes many problems I find in my life dealing with difficult people, difficult problems, that there is not an answer. So if there's anything you can glean, I'd love to hear it. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for the question. Um, It's become really important for me to... Um, to pray with groups of people. And I talked about the group I I talked with on the phone and also the group at church. So when something crops up, I I share it with them. And I also, um, like I I also said, that there's there's quite often... um, studies and Sunday school at the church on various topics, and there's one going on right now, and um, it's called Mindscape, What to Do About Worry. Well, fear and worry is a very big part of 12-step meetings. We hear it all the time. We do an inventory on it. So I jumped into that study, and it just started a couple weeks ago. So it's going to give me a a little different insight on how to handle that problem because that tends to be something that crops up. I tend to be a worrier. I tend to have anxiety issues, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there and see see what else I can get for it. Um, another thing that has been helpful recently, um, I asked one of my uh, friends to help me out in the mentoring department. And I've been hearing about it for a long time at the church, getting a a spiritual mentor or a guide. Well, we do that with sponsors all the time. And I had a sponsor that took me through the 12 steps, but he was never somebody that, you know, I called every day or put out every detail of my life to. But uh, through this, this journey that I've been on, I was able to find a, a person that was that was thrilled to help me out with that. So I'm able to share things with him, and this relationship has just started. But again, um, you know, God gives me what I need. One, well, I guess I'll I guess I'll leave it at that. So I don't have. I'm not going to, I don't have specific issues that I'm going to talk about, but I I thought I'd talk more about the path and the journey. Thank you, Mary A., for the question. Anyone else with a question this morning? Hello, my name is Beverly R. I have a question. Beverly, go ahead. Yes, I find that um, as I'm less and less into the food, it's as if I'm turning to things to validate my worth, self-worth, and 
I was actually looking at the catalog and saying I should buy these things for myself because I am worthy and I am deserving. And then a little voice came saying, you do not need things to make you worthy or deserving. And this has always been a problem for me, my food and my Spending, if you would call it, they seem to go hand in hand. And in the beginning, it was spending more and more on food. So do you have any um, ideas as to how one can tackle this problem? Well, I, I hear you on the spending and the shopping. I can do that myself, too. Um. Well, what would the big book tell us to do? The big book would tell us to 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 look at it carefully, to make an inventory, to look at our fears and our selfishness. And ultimately, we have to find a way to turn that over to God. And uh, that is the answer to everything. But I can't say that... Um, I can't give you specific instructions how to take care of that but I would say as long as you're on a a path of spiritual growth those answers will come I don't think all the answers come right away I know they don't for me um, I can't come on a meeting here or go to a meeting and share and tell you that everything is all better and I'm all good because it's not. There's still things that crop up, and I think there's some, there may be some um, truth to the fact that I've got these issues that still crop up because God wants me to seek him out more. And when I seek him out more, I'll be able to deal with those answers, deal with those issues. And ultimately, that is, that's our purpose, is to get to know God better. So I think I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Beverly R., for your question. Who's next? Hello, this is Monica M. Hi, Monica. Go ahead with your question, please. I'm something new with this meeting. This is only my second time on any vision for you, but... I do a lot of prayer. However, if there are any responses at all that I'm getting, I'm not aware of anything. And I've been trying this for several years. So I'm not sure if I'm doing something wrong, like with the wordings and stuff, or if there's something else going on. And I'm not sure how to get it so that I'm to the point that I can be aware of this because every prayer that I've asked for, pretty much, I haven't gotten an answer yet. Now, of course, some of them would be answers within a short amount of time. So I could do some help with that piece. Well, I'm not quite sure 
I understood the question. Um, but when I wasn't sure about prayer, early on what I did was I went to the big book and I followed the directions that were there. And that gave me a beginning. And what I, I learned from reading those directions were that they were practical instructions on what I can do myself and how I can look at the things that are blocking me and keeping me out of out of touch with God. They weren't directions so much to pray for things or for events, but they were they were questions that looked at things that I had already looked at in my inventory and they reminded me to keep a closer focus on those same things that were blocking me off in the first place. And in so doing, it allowed me to get closer to God. So I think everybody's experience with prayer is different. I, you know, I never asked God to get me a parking space and I never thanked God for a parking space. Um, I, maybe I look at the bigger things and the bigger bigger events and I think those that's where I'm able to appreciate it much more than those individual um, requests. So I don't know, I hope that answered your question. Thank you, Monica M. Who's next with a question? Linda R. This is Sima. Linda R. Linda R. Linda R. And then Sima, please. Go ahead, Linda. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your service today. Um, You know, I've been in program many years, and uh, when it comes to Step 11, you know, I've worked up to Step 11. Sometimes I go back and do some more work. However, of late in Step 11, I do a daily inventory at night, and I look at, you know, the things that happen throughout the day. And one of my questions is, of course, was I dishonest? And it's really helped me with uh, integrity and honesty as I evolved in the program with God. However, I wanted to ask you a question because what I'm getting, the question is, how have I been of maximum service to God and my fellow man? And, you know, in my experience, I've gone to a lot of outside resources. However, the steps are really my life. And I use them for every single thing that comes up in my life, good, bad, or indifferent. So my question to you is, how do you do service in the community? Because right now God is telling me that I need to go out into the community and help others regarding recovery. So I just wanted to know, how do you do service? Do you go to face-to-face meetings? Can you share that, please? Thank you. Sure. I go to face-to-face meetings. I, um, I'm involved in a meeting up here, a big book meeting, but I honestly haven't been there as often as I was at one time. I I get there probably a couple times a week, and I do offer my help to anyone that wants help in recovery issues. Um, I'm spending more time these days with uh, in the church community. And I'm able to help them also. Um, there's a couple of people that are very interested. 
especially in food issues. Um, one thing <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have noticed is that um, gluttony is, is one of the sins that is like accepted. And I get a lot of interest when I tell my story and tell people that at one time I weighed 280 pounds and they can't believe it. And they want how how I lost the weight. They think I'm going to give them a diet. Well, I tell them about my story of working the 12 steps. And I told them that that's, it was people in these rooms that taught me how to eat, and it was working the steps that got me in touch with God. So there's a lot of contact with people there. There are some contact with people I work with that I let them know. Uh, they have seen have lost the weight. I let them know um, how how I've done it and where I've been involved. So I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a one that spends uh, a, a lot of time um, running to meetings and looking for sponsees and and that sort of thing. If somebody needs help, I will try to help them. But my my life has been directed and 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 formulated through the twelve steps, but it sent me in a in a direction that is kind of us beyond the 12 steps, and that's kind of where I'm at. So I, I I think it's fine if people are, you know, they, they their lives are dedicated to the 12 steps and they want to go forward, and but that's really not where I'm at. The 12 steps helped me recover. I'm still available to help, but my religion is not the 12 steps. And that's not the most important thing right now in my in my life. Thanks for your honesty. Okay. And Sima, your turn. Thank you, Linda, for your question. Sima. Hi, this is this is Sima. Uh, I was just going to ask you if you sponsor people, but I'm not sure if I got the answer from what you just said or not. I and, do. Uh, I do. Um, I. And uh, also, uh, have you had an experience where your sponsee may uh, lose their abstinence and how you deal with that? Well, I, yes, I have had that experience. And uh, we we talked about it, we prayed about it, and I told them, get back on track. Um, we didn't go through a, a big, long uh, procedure or anything like that, but he he had a slip, and he was honest with me, and he stopped doing it, and he got that contract. So that was kind of a minor, minor issue, I guess. I had a response that I dealt with on the phone, and um, he just couldn't stop the eating. 
And I told him I was there for him. I could help him as much as he wanted, and we continued to work. But he just wasn't able to stop eating, so our relationship just kind of drifted apart. So I didn't fire him, or he didn't fire me. Um, it seemed to, to kind of, you know, kind of dissolve. So I don't, I don't have a lot of, um, I don't have an awful lot of experience in that area. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, Sima. Who's next with a question? Uh, this is Denise. Okay. Hi. Denise, this go is, ahead. Okay. Hi. Um, hi, Rick. Thank you so much for your share. Um, listen, I, you know, I have a real weird question. Um, well, maybe not so much. Uh, I, I am a, I don't consider myself a religious person, but I consider myself a believer, a believer in God. And um, I've been in a, a group of women for about 10 years, and we gather together and we study together and we pray for each other, etc. I guess my question to you is, how did you kind of come out to your your people, uh, your your religious or your um, your church people, that you are a compulsive overeater? Because I I carry this dark secret all the time, and it's it's just so frustrating because we get together and it's you know a lot of times we have a meal together or most of the time we have a meal together and there's food there that I shouldn't eat and sometimes I pick up and it's been a source of a lot of anxiety for me and um, I'm just wondering how you how you deal with the non-12 step people in your life and how you um, you kind of tell them your story uh, so that, that's about all I have to say. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, thanks. Um, it's it's it, see, it's easy for me to tell the story because it was the twelve steps that brought me to faith. And when I tell it in that light, and I take the time to explain, you know, my journey from an alcoholic, 280 pounds, um, sobriety, um, up and down with my my weight, not being able to control it, and working the steps. When I take the time to explain that to people, especially people in the church, then they get it. They understand that that was God's plan. If I just throw it out there as a casual thing that I work, I'm involved in 12-step groups, that doesn't seem to do it. Um, There's a lot of um, misunderstanding of 12-step groups and 12-step beliefs and higher power where they can be turned off by it. So I have to tell the whole story. And I, I love telling the story because that's how God worked, worked in me. And I, I, I just find that telling the whole story works. It's also it's difficult if um, 
if you haven't recovered and if you're still picking up the food because I guess people are going to be skeptical. But if you can show them success and show them recovery, they can't deny that. And then it kind of turns it around the other way and our story has depth and weight. So I don't mean to, um, you know, put you down or anything, but it's it's difficult to to be um, talking about the 12 steps and the value if we're not recovered. If we're recovered, then then our story means something. And people, then it doesn't matter whether they believe it or not. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have, that, have the same thing as us. And just look around. Look around after a church service. Look at the food and the coffee and the donuts and the cookies and the cupcakes. It's all over the place. And everything is a church supper. And so, I mean, I get it all. People invite me over to dinner, and um, I, I tell them. I tell them what I eat. Um, they want to feed you. I, I tell my one couple invited me over last year, and this lady is famous for her desserts. And I apologized ahead of time. I said, I'm not going to be eating any of your desserts. And, um she kept pushing them on me and kept pushing them on me, but uh, her husband, her husband, understand because understood because I think he he had heard the story more often. So I hope that answers your question. It does. Thank you so much. For Hi, my name is Charles. I have a Thank question. You. Thank for you, you, Denise. Hey, Charles, go ahead. Hi, Leah. Good morning. Um, my name is Charles. H. from New York. Uh, I apologize for missing your qualification qualification, but I do have a question for you. Um, I am um, I am an officer of the church as well, and I want to I want to find out how do you how do you how do you bring the message to the people in the congregation? Because um, there is a lot of people that's in the word in the church that's 500 pounds, and I'm not trying to say that from a self righteous standpoint. There is a lot of cake and cookie sales and all this stuff and and potluck dinners and dinner sales and. How do you how do you bring how do you carry the message or how do you twelve steps or do you twelve step the people in the congregation and, and and the second part of my question is um how do you pray and meditate and 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 then bring that along or 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 bring that vision along to the congregation and church and how do they are they receptive to it so I guess that's a three part question thank you. Well, the short answer is um, the receptiveness is a little bit uh, cruel. But I tell my story, and I am very grateful that my story of working the steps, the steps led me to faith. And when I tell that story in that way, um, then it becomes very believable and has a lot of depth and weight. I also have a couple of friends that, prior to working the steps, were very devout members of different congregations, one a minister, and they obviously didn't have a, have a problem with belief, but they had a problem with food. So I kind of uh, used them as an example and try to point out the fact that 
you know, my story is my story, but there are other people in that same situation. I think the misunderstanding in churches and religious groups is that um, if they pray to have something removed, that's about all they can do. And then I think they, they give up. They don't quite understand that the 12 steps are, are really not much different than a lot of the studies we do at church anyway, and not, not much different than some of the inventories. We did a study that was very similar to, to the steps last summer. And I tell you, they had trouble. They had trouble um, getting honest and admitting things and putting things out on the table something that we as workers of the 12 steps, we don't. And those clear-cut directions that we have, uh, I tell you, they, they make it a lot easier to follow. So I, I tell them what I did and, and, and how I go. Um, and sometimes they're receptive, sometimes they're not. But I say, I say more often than not, um, they're they're a little bit lukewarm, and it's it's kind of difficult. So I I understand. I hear your pain, and I feel it. So thanks. Thank you, Charles, for the question. Who's next? Sarah, Sarah W. Hi, Sarah. Anybody else? All right, Sarah, go ahead. Thank you so much, Leah. Um, thank you for your service, Rick. I really enjoyed hearing you. You know, um, I, I'm not of a religious religious person. I'm much more a spiritual person, but I really admire and respect those that are. And I think so many people think that they have to kind of separate out, this is it, and I, I can only be this one. And a lot of times people come to us that have a lot of religious background, um, and they struggle with feeling like they're being um, disloyal to their re- religion. And so, um, you know, I, I really heard a lot of passion about your uh, religious um, devotion, and I, I respect that. Why would that not take over for the 12-step program? And I think the reason I put that out there is because I think not only myself, but I think it's a, a valuable question for a lot of people to hear. Why do you continue feeling that the 12-step program is important, although you have this very strong religious faith? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Well, again, my story is one that when I came into the 12-step rooms, I was an atheist. And kind of... Uh, worked up to agnostic thinking that maybe there is a God. So I can see where God worked in my life. And it's just the way he worked in for me. I also, again, said I have friends that are uh, very devout and were devoted followers before they came in t- into 12-step rooms. So I, I do see examples of such. All I can do is say what happened to me. And for me, the 12 steps led me to God. And that's that's all there was to it. And I think it can, it can do that with other people. I'm not sure if it's as commonplace, 
But um, I don't know. That's my story. Thank you, Sarah W. Anyone else? Suji. Hi, Suji. Anybody else? Teresa, I have a question. Okay. Suji and then Teresa. Go ahead, Suji. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Um, Okay. So, uh, here's Here's a question. So in the religious community, um, telling your story is powerful. Well, I'm thinking about our own experience for for many of us. I'm recovered here in southeastern Pennsylvania, and and I'm thinking of that old saw, you know, came came for the vanity, stayed for the sanity. And I, I wonder how... I, well, I know how that plays out sometimes when I'm sponsoring someone, that sometimes the, the first hook is that I lost 50 pounds and I look good, and, and especially somebody who saw me at the beginning and then sees me now says that, or, or they, they are attracted by that, which is not where you want them to end up, but whatever works at the beginning works at the beginning. I wonder if stuff like that plays itself out in your experience in a religious community as you're trying to communicate your your spiritual growth or or that uh, thing that was said a few uh, weeks ago about um, that um, works without faith is dead. Um, and I, I wonder how the, va- the vanity to sanity thing plays itself out, if it does. In, in your religious community? That's my question. Well, um, the vanity pot, they don't, they don't, they don't see the change because this is kind of new to me. So it's not like they saw a transformation. I think I do know a friend of mine, a, one, a, a very devout person, that people did see the change. And they they were able to get some concrete physical evidence of the workings of the twelve steps. So I think that does that does uh, play a part when people see that physical transformation. Fortunately or unfortunately, um, they have to disbelieve what I tell them. I I guess I could pick up some pictures, although. I destroyed just about every picture I had when I was fat. But they have to they have to understand where I came from and um stayed for the came for the vanity, I certainly did. Stayed for the, the sanity. Well what I found was a relationship with God and uh I guess that's the best definition of sanity going. So that's about all I got on that. Thank you, Suji. Teresa, you had a question? Hi. Um, I'm not quite sure how to phrase the question, so maybe my higher power will communicate what I'm trying to say. But um, I find that a food plan can become a religion. And I understand it as a tool of the 12 steps, not as 
the mean the end of the 12 steps but i find in in face-to-face communities um especially it can become a huge talking point um and i just wanted your insight on how you define your abstinence and work with a food plan within that um but but have a higher end as your goal. I'm not quite sure if that makes sense, but any insight on that comment would be lovely. Thank you. Well, my food plan was was always pretty simple. Uh, matter of fact, I was on a panel uh, a couple of years ago here, and um, I eliminated the sugar and flour at first, and my weight went down and it stabilized. Then I had to keep looking at things because there were some issues, some items that I found that weren't sugar and flour, but I could binge on. So I eliminated those. Um, I don't weigh in many. I never did. I reserved right measure, but um, I never had to do that. So maybe I don't understand as well as somebody that has to be very precise and very fine-tuned and very and measure their food, I can understand where that becomes very, very important. So I would I would hesitate to, to say that that becomes somebody's religion. I'm sure um, people, I don't think there's anybody that would describe it that way. But their experience would just be one where that was extremely and however you have to do it with the food you have to do it with the food different take on it thank you Teresa for the question anyone else before we wrap up this morning any other questions for Rick Star one to unmute. Jean. Hi, Jean. Anyone else? And Mary. And Mary. And Mary will be our last question for today. Go ahead, Jean. Hi. Um, I came from... I came at the... From, this is the opposite ended. You had a very structured religion. I have... Uh, I too was 280 pounds, but I'm five foot two and I'm a woman, so <laughs> I was huge. And um, I've been in this program a long time, and during that time, I came from a very structured religion, and um, that I've had problems with because of recent controversy within my original community where every damn thing in the world is a sin. And um, so, but I do understand the spirituality of it and the God of my life. And uh, somebody spoke to, um, I do say the most uh, spiritual thing I do is put my food on the scale every morning because if I, I make it a ritual, I make it a ritual. And um, I guess my, my, uh, my, um, Coming from the opposite end and always having a God in my life, and I believe that God is in me and a part of me, and I don't have to go to God, that God's right here with me. And from you coming from an an atheist background 
and going to a church which is completely, completely opposite from mine. And I guess my um, I guess my question is why you felt the need for a formalized religion. I didn't find the need. Uh, God found me. And I, I wish I could explain it. I didn't go searching for a formalized religion. I went searching for God through the 12 steps. And I didn't even, I shouldn't even say that. I worked the 12 steps. And by working them, I began to realize there was a God. And this is just the path that he took me on. I can't explain it any more than that. And to kind of answer your question um, in another way, I think it's unfortunate that, um, and maybe we have to be more diligent seeking out uh, friends, seeking out sponsors that um, have some like-minded thoughts in the area of, of religious beliefs, because it's it would probably help you tremendously if you were to find another person, maybe a recovered sponsor or a recovered person that has similar convictions, and they might be able to help you mold those convictions. Um, I think we we guard against bringing religion into 12-step rooms to the point of sometimes being harmful and not inviting people of faith in in a way that they might uh, embrace it. And I know, yes, the 12 steps are inclusive and not exclusive, but some people's own um, convictions keep them away. So I think we have to be even more uh, vigilant seeking out like-minded individuals in order to to find the support that we need. Um, I I don't have the full answer to that, but I do know that there's just as many people that stay away from 12-step rooms because they don't like what they hear as far as religion and God as stay away from churches and congregations and faiths because they don't like what they hear about God. So we, we spend a lot of time trying to sterilize it. And it's probably a good thing in a public forum, but not necessarily the best thing in a private forum. And I, I haven't solved that dilemma either, I guess. That's one reason why I, I wanted to speak on this topic is because I don't, I don't want to be too shy about it, and I don't want to pretend it doesn't exist. And I do want to tell my story. And like I said, there's more to it. There's much more to it. But um, this isn't the time and place for that. So I'll pass with that. Thank you, Jean, for the question. And our last question for this morning, Mary, please. Hi, this is Carol. I believe there was a Mary. Yes, this is Mary. Can Mary, you're the last question. Go ahead, please. Okay. Thank you. My name is Mary in Vermont. Uh, thank you, Rick, for your share. Uh, listening to your share, I was, you know, really 
hearing um, about your fellowship and wondering what you might say. Um, I live in a small community. I don't have um, much face-to-face OA um, fellowship, and I'm trying to build that fellowship. And I'm just wondering if you, um, what you would guide uh, a sponsee um, in developing the relationship with God, um, and if that was a really, fellowship is, is a big part of developing that relationship with God. Well, my experience was that I didn't have a relationship with God until I worked the steps. So what more could I say than encourage a sponsee to work the steps fully? And I worked with a guy, another guy that... um, his food was, was good. He got his food down. He lost his weight. But he couldn't get through that fourth step. He couldn't finish the writing. So something was blocking him off. So all I can say is my experience is take the plunge and encourage people to be honest and work the steps and once I worked the steps, then a community, a fellowship of people that worked the steps and were recovered started to surround me. Up until that point, I had a, a fellowship of naysayers and scoffers because that's what I was. So when we get honest and we move forward, the, the fellowship that um, surrounds us changes. So I don't think it's so much picking the people that we're going to associate with. I think it's maintaining that spiritual path, and then those people will surround us. Thank you, Mary, for the question. Thank you to everybody who asked questions this morning and attended. And, of course, thank you, Rick, for describing in your own language and from your own point of view the way you established your relationship with God. And we find that wording from page 29 in our big book. And I'm going to close this meeting from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.